Hi, you're listening to the Crime Cafe, and this is Debbie Mack, your host. This is the place to be on the internet. You want to hear from some of the best suspense, crime fiction, and thriller authors out there. And just a quick word before I introduce my guest, I would like to mention that uh, the Crime Cafe Season 1 Story Package is available for 99 cents on my website. That's debbiemack.com or crimecafe.net, either one. Just click on Crime Cafe, and you can find the package for 99 cents. And that includes stories from all the authors I interview here at the Crime Cafe. You can also find Crime Cafe merchandise. But now that's out of the way, uh, I'd like to introduce a D.C. area writer, uh, Austin Camacho, who has written a mystery series featuring a badass protagonist, Hannibal Jones. Welcome to the show, Austin. Well, thank you, Debbie. I'm really happy to be here with you. Well, it's great to have you. And tell us about Hannibal Jones. Who is he and what makes him tick? Well, Hannibal Jones has evolved a little bit over time. Uh, when I started the series, uh, it grew out of the simple uh, mind process of, okay, I love reading about uh, Sam Spade and Philip Marlowe and Lou Archer. What if you had the same character today and he was black? Uh, that explained his character for me. He's a little bit of a, a, a throwback to the past, uh, trying to uh, exist in today's modern world. And uh, he's, he's one of those very stubborn types of people who always wants to get at the truth. And uh, that uh, drives him in his quest. Uh, but, of course, being an African-American, Washington, D.C., he has some different challenges from some of the things that those earlier private eyes had to work with. I've, I've had a lot of fun uh, dealing with the social side of those books. I can imagine. Are you, uh, I guess, influenced or inspired at all by the writings of somebody like Chester Himes or um, I'm trying to think of Walter Mosley, perhaps? Well, less Mosley than Himes. <laughs> ah. But yeah, um, there have been uh, just uh, two or three uh, mystery writers, uh, black mystery writers who have done great work, and I have uh, admired them. Um, I, um, who, can I, who can I point at? Like I said, not so much Walter Mosley, but if, if, if you know who Coffin Ed Johnson and Gravedigger Jones are, <laughs> <laughs> of, of my uh, early reading. And, uh, but beyond that, I think I was inspired more by uh, Ross McDonald's Lou Archer because I, I needed to get at that character who had his own personal morality, which I think is the essence of hard-boiled detective fiction, had his own personal morality and was kind of an outsider to both worlds. And maybe that's the piece that I'm looking at that uh, my predecessors did not. Hannibal Jones is, in fact, of mixed race, and he's not completely comfortable in, in either world, in that... Uh, uh, black culture that is so strong and prevalent, especially in the inner city and in Washington and other big cities, 
but also in the in the general uh, American culture. He is he's a fish out of water no matter where he goes, and and <laughs> I think that makes him a little different from all those who came before. I like that. Um, Ross McDonald is one of my favorite hard-boiled writers, and truly has been an influence on me. So I'm uh, kind of happy to hear other people say that too, because you don't hear his name nearly enough. You hear Raymond Chandler all the time, but Ross McDonald is one of those writers that I just adore. Well, um, I'm happy to share just a few seconds of my personal opinion. I happen to think that Ray Chandler's prose was better than anybody who had ever written in the field, but Ross McDonald wrote, in my personal humble opinion, stronger plots, better stories, and they were all completely character driven. They're just they're just great storytelling and, and uh when I sit down at the typewriter, that's the guy I'm chasing. That's who I'm going after. That's cool. Um so the the Pyramid Deception is the sixth Hannibal Jones novel, correct? Roger. And what is it about? Well, um grew out of a, a, a again, a simple concept that they always do. Uh, oh, Jones has a a steady girl through all the series, and uh, she, Cindy, is swindled, caught in a in a Ponzi scheme. You know, one of those one of those pyramid plans, and uh, he has to deal with uh, dealing with her as a client as well as being his woman. And in trying to get the uh, recover her money, he follows uh, a trail, of course. Uh, finds a, a, a woman who apparently knows something. It turns out that she is, in fact, married to the guy who swindled Cindy. And while he is interviewing her, uh, she is gunned down to drive by shooting right in front of him. Mm-mm. And so he has a, a, a double motivation, A, to solve this murder, because, you know, that's kind of insulting to us uh, private eye types, and also to, re- to try to recover the money. And, uh, of course, it's a mystery. I can't tell you too much. I can't give much away. Mm-hmm. But in that process of trying to, uh, A, find the swindler, and B, find the murderer, of course, the murderer is always killing a couple more people in order to cover their trail better. And uh, he's involved in a way because the police don't even believe there was a murder. He goes chasing after the shooter, and when he gets back, the body's gone, the mess is cleaned up. Uh, it's easy, easier for the police to believe that this uh, wealthy guy's wife ran off with somebody. Um, and so for a good chunk of the book, it's Hannibal against the world, against the police, against the bad guys. It's... it's uh, it's a really fun ride if you enjoy that kind of a story. And of course, there are, there are the clues to collect. And in the end, you find uh, that you should have been able to figure it out all along, which is <laughs> the kind of try to do these. Those are the best kind. You know? All the clues are, I always play fair. Exactly. I like that. Um, if your series were to be made into a movie, who would you want to play Hannibal? Ah, <laughs> um, 
Do, do you watch the show Criminal Minds? I've never seen it. Oh, really? Okay. There's, a, there's an actor on that show named Shamar Moore. Mm-hmm. Shamar Moore, he's a uh, little over six feet tall. He is uh, a black dad, white mom, blue eyes. He is the guy that I pictured when I started writing Hannibal. And on the show, he is the, the man of action. He's the guy that does all the fighting and stuff. Uh, and he is most assuredly the actor that I would want. So look up Shamar Moore. Shamar <laughs> Will do. That's, that's Hannibal. In fact, I, I sent him off the books and said, you know, um, if you ever need a new franchise, you get tired of that TV show. I got it for you right here. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You've also written an adventure series with two protagonists, I believe. Yes, that's correct. Uh, Can you tell, uh, Morgan, tell us a little about those books? Morgan Stark is uh, an African-American mercenary soldier, and Felicity O'Brien is a, an Irish jewel thief. Um, they uh, are uh, doing their separate underworld kind of thing. And they get, they each get double crossed. They meet, find out they were double crossed by the same guy and go after him for revenge. And that's the first book, the, the payback assignment. After they, uh, get their revenge and they realize that they're, uh, really, they really kind of like working together. Mm-hmm. They form a security company, a personal security company. And uh, their adventures uh, take off from there because they have connections in the underworld, they have connections in the military, they have connections with the, the intelligence community because Hannibal, of course, was in Delta Force. <laughs> and, uh, they, uh, they, they get involved with some pretty, pretty crazy stuff. And I do have to tell you one other thing about them. They discover that they have a psychic connection so that the one always knows when the other is in danger. So there's a little bit of a paranormal element to their to their stories as well. Interesting. Well, it sounds like a really great premise. I've got to start reading just, those books. I just finished the next one and sent it off for, well, I just got it back from the editors, did the editing, and just now sent it to the proofreaders. So it, it should be along in the summertime. But uh, it's, it's, it's very different from writing the Hannibal Jones books. Um, as I'm sure you can guess from the, the people I referred to as, as uh, my, my favorites, the, the Hannibal novels all by themselves tend to get dark. And as I've written them, they have gotten darker and darker. The uh, Stark and O'Brien things, on the other hand, are much lighter there. It's, it's much more like reading uh, uh, Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a that lot of action. Um, a, little, a little bit more of a suspension of disbelief is, is called for. <laughs> They're not quite as realistic, but a lot of fun. Well, that's, that's the whole idea, I think, behind a book like that. And they do sound like fun. Uh, what about the uh, novel Beyond Blue? The uh, private eye agency for uh, police officers, as I understand yeah. it? That, that was a departure. Yeah. Um, 
Very interesting concept. I, I um, made friends with uh, the late um, Warren Murphy, the guy who had created uh, the Destroyer series. Mm-hmm. And in conversation, uh, he he actually came up with the, the basic premise, okay, a private eye agency that only takes cases to help policemen who are in trouble. And this all grew out of uh, a, a, a wealthy uh, Middle Eastern man who uh, was able to actually see a policeman save his son's life uh, as his son was trying to escape uh, when the Twin Towers were bombed. So he, he funds and finances this, finances this agency. And, and Warren and I batted this around, and he said, why don't you go ahead and, and write it? <laughs> I said, okay. And uh, I, I cooked up a, a rather diverse collection of uh, detectives and was able to send them off on four different cases because detective agencies don't just work on one thing at a time. But, of course, over time, the, the cases overlap and intersect in uh, what, I, what I think is a fun way. What I found out is that by, by doing this, it put me in the position to literally end every chapter with a cliffhanger because then I would jump to what one of the other detectives was doing. Hmm. That was a, a, a great, fun writing exercise. And I, I think uh, the people that I came up with are, are real fun, too. And I do need to write another one at some point, but I have people yelling at me about the other two series. So yeah. <laughs> it's hard enough to do two series, let alone trying to sustain three. <laughs> Keeps me going. Yeah, what can I say? Um You've also started your own publishing company. How do you manage to keep writing and publishing your books and others? Let, let me just say it's not easy. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not writing nearly as much as I used to because I'm, I'm finding myself becoming very invested in other people's work. You know, when, well, you know that feeling you get when you when you uh, get to the end of writing a book and you look back and you say, wow, that's, that's some pretty good stuff. That's one good feeling. But, oh my gosh, when you read something and you get to the end and you say, wow, this book blew me away. Why hasn't this guy already been published nine times? Uh, you, you get really wrapped up in, uh, in, in those other books. And I, um, I really do. And then, of course, because uh, I, I have, uh, A, because I have a writer's ego, and B, I am the editorial director of this little three-person company, I, um, I take their book and I say, this is really good, but it could be great. And so I have the opportunity to work with those writers to, to ramp up their stuff and polish and edit and uh, create something cool. And uh, that's, a, a very, that's a very rewarding thing, a very rewarding thing. And I'm, I'm, always, I'm always hunting for the next, um, well, I'm not looking for the next James Patterson. I think I'm looking for the next Debbie Matt. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully they'll do as well as James Patterson. <laughs> Uh, let, let's, let's, let's you and me tacitly agree that um, 
if, if you if you line up all the writers in the world by how much money they make or how many books they sell, that line doesn't look at all like the line if you lined it up by best writer down to not best. I'll tell you, that's the God's honest truth. <laughs> <laughs> there are a few exceptions, but it's... It's amazing. It, that's the thing. It's amazing how many truly talented authors are out there that people just don't know about. And, yeah. Um, you were also in the Army for a while, so I assume that, that your experiences with the military have helped inspire a lot of your writing. Can you talk about well, that? For the Stark and O'Brien stuff, it has. Yes, I was in the Army. Uh, I went in as a uh, small arms repairer uh, in, a, in a maintenance unit, and then uh, at the end of my first enlistment, uh, I took a test, and they said, hey, this isn't where you belong. What would you like to And I looked at every job they had in the military, and I said, gee, what's this one? Broadcast journalist. That sounds like fun. <laughs> so... I went to another course, uh, it's a three-month school, and, and that's what I did for the rest of my military career. I was a broadcaster, and when I got out of the military, I, I went to work for DOD as a civilian uh, and stayed in the communications field. I don't do a lot of broadcast now, but I still write a lot of articles, and I supervise a bunch of really, really talented folks who are communicating... Uh, the very complicated military medical benefits to our beneficiaries. But in the meanwhile, in the earlier part of my uh, military career, I spent enough time in the field and became familiar with weapons and and that kind of stuff. And, and a lot of that informs uh, the Morgan Stark character, who... Um, is yes, of course, uh, pushing the pushing the edge of how good a soldier can be, but he also has the soldier's mentality and, and the soldier's attitude about things. And uh, I, have, I have been told that he represents military guys pretty well. Hmm. You were uh, in Israel during Desert Storm. That must have been a pretty intense uh, time. As a matter of fact, I was. Wow, you did your research. Yes, I did. <laughs> um, let me, let me um, as, as a broadcast journalist, uh, I yes, I carried a rifle, but I never fired it at anybody. Uh, but I, I was, uh, during that time in Desert Storm, we were following a Patriot missile uh, team, and uh, it, we were very you know, proud of those guys because they were uh, shooting down those Scud missiles, uh, which can't be an easy thing. And I, I would say that in retrospect, the most exciting moment of my life was being in the camp during an actual Scud attack. I mean, I'm looking up and I'm seeing missiles. And the funny thing is that when you're looking through a video camera viewfinder, uh, it, it's your, your head acts as if you're watching TV. And I'm videotaping this marvelous display going on in the sky, these missiles coming in and missiles going up and hitting each other and exploding. And, and uh, it wasn't until after the fact, I've got the video down and I'm, I'm ready to send it back to, uh, back to headquarters. 
And it, 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 it suddenly occurred to me and my partner, because there were two of us there, so, you know, um, uh, we could have just been blown up. <laughs> you know, we we could have been, you know, one of those missiles could have gotten through and, and you know, we could be fused with the sand here under our feet. And and he said something like, yeah, ain't it cool? Those intense experiences are things that you call upon when you're writing about people who are uh, having intense experiences you have to be in touch with well what's what's the emotional response to these things and i i am able to reach back and call on some of that from time to time and, and hopefully that uh hopefully that gives a little extra verisimilitude to my work i would think so i think experience as much as anything else is important for a writer I agree. I find that uh, when I look into those people that I really, really admire their writing, I really admire their work, I usually find out that they've had a dozen jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, they've been the garbage man, and, and they've done sales work, and they've uh, done retail, and they worked in McDonald's or whatever, but, but a broader experience does seem to, does seem to help. I would agree, definitely. My father was a writer, actually, and every time I had a crappy job, he used to say, it'll all go into your writing. (laughs) It'll all make you part of being a better writer. (laughs) Has that turned out to be true? I know you've got a pretty uh, good detective there, but a lot of the other characters that wander in and out of your books get pretty interesting. So I'm thinking maybe that has uh, that has helped. That might have something to do with it, yeah. Yeah. Could very well be. Um, well, is there anything else you'd like to add before we uh, close out here? Well, um, I, I, I want to I want to waste about a minute and give okay. a commercial for my writing. Absolutely. And, uh, not for my publishing company. But uh, although the, the company that I'm part of, owner of, Intrigue Publishing, also runs an annual conference. Uh, next year, it's going to be uh, September 30th, October 1st and 2nd. It's always a three-day conference. It's going to be in Columbia, Maryland. And what we do is kind of a, a shrunk-down BoucherCon. It's called Creatures, Crime, and Creativity. Because we we've broadened it as far as genre, we're just looking for genre fiction. We have people there from horror, uh, suspense, mystery, thriller, sci-fi, fantasy, paranormal, and we all get together. We have three days of panels and three days of uh, eating together because meals are included in the registration. So we all eat together for the three days. And uh, anybody who is uh, an avid reader should come there and, and meet a bunch of good writers. And, of course, if you're a writer, you want to come there, too, and, and do some networking and learn something. Uh, next year's conference, we have um, Alexandra Sokoloff as going to be one of our keynote speakers. And she writes amazing uh, paranormal detective stuff. She is a multi-genre person. We're also going to have um, 
Cerise Murphy, who is a science fiction, a local science fiction writer, and uh, Donna Andrews, who is a local uh, mystery writer, kind of a cozy, uh, humorous mystery writer. So we'll have lots of variety there. And uh, like I said, Creatures, Crimes, and Creativity is going to be in your neighborhood in Columbia. And I'm going to say everybody who really loves to read and everybody who really loves to write, uh, check us out and, and register, and uh, let's have a good time next year. Well, you can count on me being there. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Actually, there are a lot of a lot of mighty good writers living in this area, and it's good to just get together and hang out with a bunch of writers and nothing else. I just I just love the fellowship of other authors. Me too. That's why these conferences are fun. Meeting yeah. the readers and hanging out with the other authors that you you really never get to see any other time. And, and ask those questions that you never get a chance to ask. Where'd you come up with that idea? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, I am so glad that you were able to do this interview today, Austin. This, this was very, this was great. Thank you so much, and I appreciate your uh, taking the time to be interviewed. And uh, again, I would like to remind everybody that you can get the Crime Cafe Season 1 Story Package from my website, debbiemack.com or crimecafe.net. And you can also get Crime Cafe merchandise there, like t-shirts, coffee cups, all sorts of stuff with the Crime Cafe logo on it. So again, thank you so much, Austin. I appreciate your being on, and uh, I'll talk to everybody in two weeks. Thank you.